Thank you for checking out this sermon video here at Hope Church. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text NEW TO HOPE to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form that you can fill out so we can get to know you better. The message you are about to watch is part of our current sermon series, Proverbs, Everlasting Wisdom for Everyday Life. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Well, as we begin today, I want you to take a little trip with me down memory lane. Some of you, it'll be just a couple years. Some of you, it might be a couple decades. But I want you to think, whether you're online or you're in the room, of when you were a teenager. Some people are like, a few decades, right? Maybe for you, you're in there right now. I see some younger faces, which is cool. For me, I'm actually going to go back a year before I was a teenager. When I was 12 years old, I had no idea I was going to purchase something when I was 12 years old for my birthday that would actually define my entire teenage years, really the next decade of my life. And that something was a skateboard. I don't know if there's any former skateboarders or current skateboarders in the room. I'm sure there are some online. But I, yeah, shout out to the skateboarders. I skateboarded. Basically, I lived on that thing. If the sun was up and it was possible to be out on my skateboard, I was skateboarding. Now, what I didn't know is I was starting to enter into a scene, a, a subculture, if you will, that I didn't really know existed until I entered that subculture. I'll explain in just a minute. Because three years later, I further deepened myself in that subculture when I got my first guitar. And I started playing just the songs that I enjoyed with my friends that happened to be some punk rock music. Now, I know there's probably not a, punk, a lot of punk rock fans in the room tonight, or maybe there are online. But between skateboarding and punk rock music, I was in a subculture that kind of took over in the early 2000s. I've kind of dated myself, but that kind of took over life. Some of you guys remember that. You're like, yeah, I remember. The guy's always in my way and the guy's always listening to loud music that annoyed me. That was me and I apologize. But I entered a subculture that, to be honest with you, was kind of known, and I I didn't know this at the time. Looking back, I know this. But it was kind of known in the subculture of skateboarders and punk rock singers and guitar players of being very irresponsible. Very irresponsible. Matter of fact, I I, I remember when I first met my wife's, my now wife's family at the time, my my mother-in-law and I have a great relationship now, but at the time I was just the person knocking on her door asking her to take her daughter out on a date. And I've never, Hope Church, I've never publicly shared this picture, but when I was a part of the subculture, another thing that you had to do is you had to dye your hair black, okay? So this is a picture of me and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, Candace. This is us on her 18th birthday. There I am, ladies and gentlemen. Now, you also didn't know how to smile when you were part of the subculture, so you made that weird face instead of smiling for a picture. A couple months after this picture was taken, I actually got my lip pierced, which was a major mistake. This is not a promotion or I'm not condoning this activity. I'm just letting you know, that guy, that boy, shows up to your house to ask you to take your daughter on a date. What are you going to say? Well, praise God, my mother-in-law had a slight lapse in judgment, and she said yes, and the rest is history. But I was known for being irresponsible. I was a part of a a whole culture that was known for being irresponsible. In fact, there was a, a band at the time you may or may not have heard of called MXPX, and they actually wrote a song about this idea of responsibility. That sounds like a good anthem. What are the lyrics? Responsibility. What's that? Responsibility. Not quite yet. 
responsibility. What's that? I don't want to think about it. We'd be better off without it. Some of you are thinking that's the anthem of some people in my home. Shout out to all you teenagers. Responsibility. You say, why are you starting the message today like this? We have been in a series for the last several weeks through the book of Proverbs. I hope you have been journeying with us. Whether you're in the room tonight or you're online, I hope you've been journeying with us day by day reading the Proverbs. And if you have, you've noticed it's an extremely, amazingly practical book. We've seen it as we open God's word each and every week. We've looked at the Proverbs and we've seen these themes pop up like seeking counsel when you don't know how to make a decision or, or watching your words or having integrity in the workplace and in your home. Whatever it might be, we've seen these very practical things. And as you read the proverb, the reason I started the message today the way I started it, as you read through the Proverbs, there's something that pops up constantly that honestly doesn't get a lot of press. And it's this idea of responsibility or being disciplined or diligent or laziness and its consequences. Now, before you tune me out today, before you turn off the YouTube feed, think about what God might want to say to you today. I encourage you to stay honed in for just a few minutes because I believe God is going to speak today from the book of Proverbs. This idea of responsibility. And I want to start really in the beginning of God's word. If you didn't know, this is not just a Proverbs principle. We're going to see that all throughout the message today. This is a Bible principle. And now that you know that, maybe you'll start to see it pop up. In fact, it actually pops up in the first book of the Bible, two chapters in. It shows that we were actually made to create and to care for and to cultivate. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. This is, this is right after God has created all that we know. has created Adam and Eve. And it says this, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Now you might say, yeah, 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 but that's before the fall. Work is a part of the fall. That's not before the fall. That comes in Genesis chapter 3. So before the fall, I know you hate your job and I know you think it's sinful and a part of the fall. But before the fall, God took Adam and Eve and he gave them a garden. He said, this is your responsibility. Cultivate it. Keep it. Why? Because it's not a part of our sin nature to care and, and to work for things. That is part of what God originally planned. Maybe you need some more convincing. What I want to do now is I want to put some passages on the screen. All the verses aren't going to be on the screen. It's just going to be the references. So if you're taking notes or if you have the app, you can go ahead and jot these down. But I'm going to show you just a quick overview from the book of Proverbs. This is all over Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24, the diligent find freedom in their work. The lazy are oppressed by their work. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, hard work always pays off, but mere talk puts no bread on the table. Can I get an amen on that one? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 4. The sluggard, that shows up all over the Proverbs. It's another word for lazy. The sluggard does not plow after the autumn. He doesn't do what he's supposed to do. So he begs during the harvest and has nothing. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. A couple more. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 and 31. I went, this is such a vivid picture. I went past the field of the sluggard. Past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment and thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered in weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. My favorite, 
Proverbs chapter 26, verse 15. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but he is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. You've ever been there after like a lot of Netflix shows? You put your hand in the popcorn and you can't even bring it back to your mouth in that moment. That is the picture you're seeing. He's so lazy, he puts his hand for the popcorn and he can't even bring it back to his mouth. Here's one final one that we are going to spend some time on today. This one is going to be on the screen. Proverbs chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Here's what God's word says. He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. A faithful man will abound with blessing, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. We're going to see throughout our time together, like I mentioned earlier, that this is not just a Proverbs principle. All throughout the message tonight and today online, we are going to look at other places in God's word. So so we're going to give a big idea like we've been doing. This is a banner statement of the message. Here's the big idea of what we're talking about today. A wise way to live is to faithfully do what God has called you to do. I know that's not like, earth-shattering for somebody today, but a wise way to live. We're going to unpack this over the next few minutes. A wise way to live. How God has called you to live is to faithfully do what he has called you to do. Before we continue the message, I'm going to call a little bit of a timeout. If you've ever been watching a show, sometimes before a show that maybe has some adult themes or, or something that might be offensive to some viewers, there's, there's a disclaimer that comes across the screen. I'm going to give us what I'm calling a, a gospel disclaimer today. This is important because sometimes when we start talking about working hard and being responsible, if we're not careful in our flesh, we'll start twisting it in a way that God never intended for us to twist it. So I want to give us a couple very, 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 very important gospel disclaimers. Here's the first one. They're going to be on the screen. I am not what I do. My identity is in Christ alone. Say, why is that important? That's really important because we're about to talk about for the next 20 minutes or so what you and I do, what God has given us to do. And if we're not careful in our flesh, we will start to look at those things as our identity. I'm a dad. I am a mom. I am a husband. I am a father. I am a, I'm a CEO. I'm an entrepreneur. And if we're not careful as Jesus followers, we have to guard against that becoming our identity. But I am not what I do. My identity is in Christ alone. Second gospel disclaimer. Again, these are important. These are stakes we're putting in the ground before we continue today. I cannot earn salvation. My salvation is in Christ alone. Maybe you've been in church for a long time and you've heard that, but that is important to remember because we're, again, we're about to talk about a bunch of stuff that we can do. And in our flesh, we'll start to think, here's what I'm going to do to please God. That's what religion says. I'm going to try to earn my salvation by doing a bunch of things. And hopefully at the end of the day, I'm going to show up to heaven. and I'm going to say, look, God, was it good enough? That's not the gospel. A Jesus follower says, listen, I am saved by grace alone and by, through faith alone in Christ alone. I'm not trying to please God. I'm hard worker. I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for things. I'm passionate, not because I'm trying to please God, but because I understand he's already pleased with me. And so because of that, by his grace, I'm going to be the hardest worker in the room. I'm going to be responsible for things. I'm going to passionately pursue things with excellence, not because I'm trying to please him, but because I already am. That is the gospel. So as we begin this conversation tonight, it's very important for us to remember, I am not what I do. My identity is in Christ, and I cannot earn salvation. My salvation is in Christ. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into this idea of responsibility. Three truths I want to give you today as we continue in the message. Here's the first one. God has given you responsibility 
for something. Again, I know that's not like, wow, what a crazy theological thought. That's not the point today. Today, whether you're watching online, you're in the room, we want to bring it down because I love how practical the book of Proverbs is. And so tonight, the goal is to be very, very practical. God has given you and I responsibility for something. So that begs the question, what are you responsible for? There's some very easy answers to that question. I see some people in here with some kids. I know right there in your living room, you probably got some kids around you and you're trying to tell them to be quiet like I have to do to listen to the message. I get it. There's some easy answers, right? If you're a parent, guess what? You're responsible for those kids. Like it or not, good day or bad day, slept a lot or didn't. My wife and I have four kids, Bryce, Avery, Blaine, and Ari. At the end of the day, there's two people responsible for them, Scott and Candace. That's a responsibility that we have. Maybe you're a kid. Maybe you're a student. You're responsible to be a part of your family. You're responsible for your schoolwork. You're responsible for your chores, whatever it might be. We all have work, right? That's an easy answer. We're responsible for our relationships. We're responsible for our money, our time. Those are some easy answers that you can, you can think about today. Maybe some harder answers are a little deeper, a little more ambiguous. Maybe for some of you, God's put something in you. He's put some deep convictions in you. He's put some dreams. He's put some desires. Guess what? You and I are responsible for those. Those are given to us by God that we are responsible for. Let me show you this in the proverb that we looked at in Proverbs 28. It says, he who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. Did you see those first three words? He who tills his land. He had land, right? He had responsibility. He had something that he was to manage. And here's what I want us to see. You and I have land too. Now, it may not be physical land, right? Shout out to all the renters, right? You don't have physical land, but you have lands. You have something that God has given you to manage. Something that God has given you, get this, to be a good steward of. That's a good Bible word, steward. Maybe you've been in church for a while and you have no idea what that word means. I want to make it easy for you. I found a really, really awesome definition that just so happens to really awesomely be for my message as well. Here's what it is, steward. To actively, this is so good, to actively, so you're not sitting on the sidelines, to actively be responsible for someone else's belongings. We are all responsible for something. To actively be responsible for someone else's belongings. What is that saying? It's saying you and I are a manager. Maybe you've been working your whole career to get to the organizational chart spot that says manager. Guess what? I just did the job for you. You're a manager. Great job. You are a manager of whatever it is that God has put in front of you. Again, whether you're online or in the room, I want us to really think of this practice, because we're going we're gonna to go back to whatever this is that you're thinking of right now. Probably, as I said, that there's some thoughts swirling around of what you're responsible for. So I want to make it really, really clear. I'm going to put it on the screen. God has given me responsibility for, and I want you in your mind, don't say it out loud, to fill in the blank. There's multiple things. There's not just one, but maybe there's one right now that God's kind of putting his finger on. God has given me responsibility for whatever it is for you. Hold on to that because we are going to go back there several times today. One of my favorite stories in all of God's word is in the gospels. It's actually a story that Jesus told. Jesus told these stories that are called parables. Parables, really simple. It's, it's Jesus telling everyday stories about eternal things. So he'd just be walking with his people. There'd be a bush on the ground. There'd be some people. There'd be some, some situation going on, very down to earth. And Jesus would just start telling a story. 
And that story would actually have extremely awesome eternal significance. So he tells a story about a master who had three servants. It's the parable of the talents. Maybe you've heard of it in Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to paraphrase it right now. I'm not quoting the Bible word for word. You'll see why in just a minute. But go back later, Matthew chapter 25. Such an amazing story, the parable of the talents. But here's kind of my interpretation of it for us today. There's three servants, and he brings these three servants to them. He says, hey, I'm going on a trip. And he gives the first servant, he gives him five talents. When you think talent or you hear talent, don't think skill or a talent show. If you want to make it easy, think $5. He gave him $5 or five talents. It's a, it's a weight of money. He gave him some money and said, I want you to be responsible for this because I'm leaving and I'm entrusting you with this. He goes to the second servant. He says, hey, I'm not, I'm not giving you five like the other guy had, but I'm giving you two. And it's, it's still really important to me. So I want you to manage what I'm giving you. So the guy goes off and he has two talents. And he goes to a third final guy and he says, I'm giving you, I'm only giving you one, but it's really important to me. It's not five, it's not two, but I'm giving you something that I want you to take care of. So the master goes away on his trip. And it says that the master came, come, comes back and he calls his servants to him because he wants to know what have you done with what I gave you. I gave you a responsibility, what have you done with this? So he calls the, the servants to him. The first servant says, hey, master, you gave me five talents and, and guess what? I, I wanted to do well with what you gave me and so I, I doubled my money. I invested it and now you have ten. And the master says, wow, well done. You've done well with what I've given you. Goes to the second guy. He says, hey, you gave me two talents. It wasn't as much as my friend over here, but I wanted to do well with what you gave me. And so I've actually doubled my money as well. And so now you have four talents. The master says, well done. Just because it wasn't as much as your buddies, you did well with what I gave you. And he goes to the third guy. And I like to think of a lot of caricatures of the third guy. But the third guy doesn't really know how to talk very well. And he's like, well, here's the deal. I didn't know what to do with this talent you gave me. And so I actually went over here and I dug a hole. This is in the Bible, I promise, Matthew chapter 25. I dug a hole and I stuck the talent in the hole. And X marks the spot. And I've been standing on it because I didn't want anyone to steal the talent. But it's in here and here. Here, I've dug it back up. Here's your talent. The Bible says the master looks at him and he says, you wicked and lazy servant. You literally buried what I gave you to be responsible for, to manage, to care for. So why do you tell that story? What's the point of that story? The reality is that story is going to be our future. And I'm not trying to be scary right now, and I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I'm telling you what the Bible says is that one day every person in this room, every person watching online, and honestly every person on the planet will stand before the master, the master of the universe, God himself, and we will bring all the things. I'm going to bring Candace and Bryce and Avery and Blaine and, and, and Aria and my responsibilities here at Hope and my hobbies and my passions. I'm going to bring all that. I'm going to say, God, here. Here's what you gave me to be responsible for, and here's what I've done with it. Not because I'm trying to earn your favor, but you gave this to me, and so I want to show you what I've done with what you gave me. I was a good steward. That will happen for every person on the planet. What are you responsible for? I love that the book of Proverbs goes there. Right? Maybe you've never read these sections of the book of Proverbs that talk about our work ethic. And talk about how we manage what God's given us. And talk about how we handle ourselves at work when we don't really want to do what the boss tells us to do, but we are put in that position. It does. It goes there. I love that the book of Proverbs goes there. And honestly, I love that the parable of the talents gives us some pictures of this. These first two guys did well with what the master gave them. 
well done. But then there's this other guy who is like the sluggard in Proverbs. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, here's how it ends. Here's what I want to hear and here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want all my friends and my family to hear when we've done well with what the master gave us. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I want you to remember what you put in that blank. God has given you responsibility for that. Here's the second thing today. God desires for you to carry out that responsibility faithfully. So what's the difference? You have a responsibility. And God desires for you to carry that responsibility out faithfully. It's one thing to know, right? It's one thing to know I have responsibility. Here's their names. Here's my position at hope. Here's my stuff. Here's my hobbies. It's one thing to know in my head. It's another thing to work that out with my life. By God's grace, his spirit in me, God, allow me to be faithful in what you have given to me. Look at Proverbs 28 again. It talks about this man who tilled his land. He had plenty of food. He didn't follow empty pursuits. And verse 20 calls him a faithful man. What's the word faithful mean? You know what it means, but for sake of very simplicity today, I want to look at this word faithful. It means firm, constant, steadfast. We know that, right? That's the word faithful. Firm, constant, steadfast. An easy way for me to think about this word was actually to contrast it with another word. And that word is flippant, right? It's the exact opposite of faithful. What does flippant mean? Not firm, always changing, wavering. The man in Proverbs was a faithful man. If he would have been flippant, I love how practical this is. If he would have been flippant, if he wouldn't have worked his land and done what he was supposed to do, guess what? It would have, he would have not had food on his table. Back in the agricultural days, it wasn't like, I might do it one day. It's like, if you don't do it, your family won't eat. He was not flippant. He was faithful. So again, I want you to think. I want us to pause for just a minute. What was your blank? We're not going to answer out loud. You're not going to send an email to somebody. Whatever you are responsible for that God put on your heart today, I want you to ask yourself, like I asked myself many times this week in preparing this message, am I carrying out that responsibility faithfully by God's grace or flippantly? Do I understand that God has given it to me and it's a really big deal. Whatever it is that he has put in my hands, God, I want to be faithful with this thing. Several years ago now, I guess I'm getting kind of old because it's a long time ago actually. I was graduating from a, from a small little Bible college in 2007. This is just a, a little associates program down in Southern California. And I remember I was driving back to Las Vegas. And it was one of those moments that I'm sure we all have where there was just kind of a lot going on and a lot of questions to be answered. I was literally driving in my 97 Ford Ranger. The, the, uh, the, the AC had just gone out, like out, out, like not repairable out. And so I'm driving back in the middle of the summer in Las Vegas on the 15, no AC. And I'm thinking, God, what is going to happen with my life? Because here's the plans I had. I want to go back. Man, I got this little degree now. I want to get involved in ministry. I want to marry this girl that I'm dating for a few years now. Candice, I mean, I want to I start a family. I want to get a job. God, I want to be faithful with what you've given me in my heart, but, like, I got nothing to show for it right now. Like, I don't even have AC in my car, and it's hot. I got nothing. 
Right about that time, I stumbled across a book that, that honestly changed my life. And I know a lot of people say, this book changed my life. But like, no, for real, this book, it was like a godsend. This book changed my life. I came across a, a pastor, theologian, um, author that we quote here a lot of hope. His name is John Piper. And I came across this book called Don't Waste Your Life. If you hang out with me long enough, I will tell you, you need to read this book, Don't Waste Your Life. Because it's exactly what, what we're talking about today. It's kind of exactly what Tom Piper talks about in this book. He talks about whatever God has you in right now. If you're driving on the 15 with no AC and you don't have, you have a girlfriend, you don't know how you're going to buy her a ring to ask her to marry you. And you don't have a job. And you don't have anything, but you want it. And you're asking God to help you be faithful and glorify him and everything. Listen, that is not wasting your life. You can invest your life into what he is doing and it will change you. You may never be famous, but you can be faithful. You may never be at the top of the organizational chart, but you might be at the top of your family's eyes and they'll light up because that's my dad and that's my husband. That's the person that I love to be around. I might not be, I may be middle management my whole life. You may be middle management your whole life, but you're the top of the top of the top with your family because you are faithful. Faithful. So this book changed me. And here's what it talks about. It, it talks about, and this is kind of a, a sad reality, but the, 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 even the premise of the book, don't waste your life, shows that the reality is we can like, we can waste our lives. When we get to heaven, of course, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I can take what he's given me and I can squander it. That's kind of a scary thought for me. You and I can waste our parenting. We can waste our marriage on things that don't matter. We can waste our money, our time, our attention, our career. We can waste those things on things that just don't matter. What I love about the book of Proverbs, the parable of the talents, all these passages in God's words that says, hey, God's given this to you. Don't waste it. Be faithful. So for the remainder of our time, I want to I look at what that looks like. What does it look like to be this faithful man in Proverbs? What does it look like, whatever that blank was for you, to be faithful in it? And to do that, I want to read a, a New Testament passage. Again, I tried to show you this is all over the Bible. This is not a Proverbs principle. This is a Bible principle. And the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the church at Colossae. And he wrote this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Check out, check out these verses. I love how simple this is. Whatever you do, do your work heartily or work at it with all your heart. As for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Listen, people say the Bible is confusing. And I get that. There's parts of it that can be confusing. But this is pretty simple. Paul says, whatever you do. So for us, we have to think, well, what do I do? Well, I'm a dad. I work at a church. I have a job. I have hobbies. I'm a husband. Whatever that is for you, whatever you do, what does this verse say? Do it with all your heart. What's another way to say that? Be faithful in that thing. Be passionate about that thing. Be, be excited about that thing. Pursue that thing with excellence. God has placed you where he's placed you for you to not waste it but to be faithful in it. So whatever you do, that word whatever is a really, really broad word. You don't have to know Greek to start to unpack that. Whatever. And I'd be willing to bet the things that you do would fall into the category of whatever. But I'm going to give you a list that I want to hopefully start to stoke the fire in you. If you're a student today, if you're a waitress, if you're a single mom or a single dad, if you're a firefighter or a police officer, you're a real estate agent, you're a skateboarder, let's go. You're a golfer, you're a gamer, 
You're a musician. You're in nursing school. You're a teacher. You're a CrossFitter. You're a chef. You're a blackjack dealer. You're a homeschool mom. Whatever. Do it with all your heart. Understanding it's not for the people that are around you. It's for the Lord Jesus whom you serve. What if we started looking at everything we did, not as a job or not as a responsibility or not as a thing, but man, this is my act of worship. This is what I'm doing because I love Jesus and he's put me in this place right now. This is what I'm doing. I don't like it. God, I wanted you to give me another assignment, but I'm doing this not for the people that I'm looking at, for the people that got, but for Jesus Christ. What if we started looking at our calling, if you will, as just doing whatever we're doing for the glory of God? See, people get all kinds of tripped up. I have, you have, about our calling. Pastor Vance has said it before, but the, the number one question we get as pastors is people sit down and they say, I just want to know what God's will for my life is. And I get that. But can I demystify it for you? I'm not trying to be under-spiritual now. I'm not trying to dumb things down too much. But ask yourself the question, what am I doing right now? Well, I'm working a nine-to-five in this cubicle, and I don't really like my employees and my boss, but I'm doing it because it's the job that's providing for my family right now. Well, I'm in this home, and it's not perfect, and the kids are kind of disobedient all the time, and my marriage isn't great, but I'm in this situation. I just want to know God's will for my life. Can I demystify it for you? That right now is God's will for your life. I mean, come on, we believe in a sovereign, omnipotent, powerful God. And all of a sudden, when, when it comes to what's going on in our lives, we think, oh, he must have been sleeping on that one. I don't think he meant to put me in this family. I don't think he meant to put me in this cubicle. What if he did? And what if he's saying, hey, whatever you do, be faithful in that. We get so mesmerized. And I've been, I've been so guilty of this. I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now. We get so mesmerized on this silver bullet will. And I look behind me and I'm doing everything in my life half-hearted with a second thought. And God's going, that's my will for you. I've prayed this and maybe you can start praying this as well. God, help me from being so focused. Listen to this. I'm so focused. God, help me from being so focused on what is potentially in store for me that I miss out on what you've already put in front of me. God, help me from being so focused on what might come that I miss out on what already is right now in my life. You Help me, God, be responsible for that. You know what the book of Proverbs calls that? Empty pursuits. It says there in Proverbs chapter 28, he who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. What does that look like, an empty pursuit? An empty pursuit is saying, man, I get this. But if I just had a different job, man, I'd be so responsible in it. If I just had a different boss, Scott, you don't understand. Like my boss, like I get everything you said. But if I just had a different job or a different boss or maybe a little deeper, I had a different family or a different spouse or a different set of kids with not all their problems. If I just had those, I would be a little more responsible with what God has called me to. The Bible says that is an empty pursuit. Don't even chase that. Be faithful with what he's given you. Don't be so focused on what might be that you miss out on what already is. Here's the third thing, we'll be finished. God will honor your faithfulness with his favor. What does it say in Proverbs 28, 20? A faithful man will abound in blessings. This is sort of strange for us to talk about, right? We've been so conditioned that we don't want to talk about like what we get out of this thing. Well, we're not in it to get something, but the reality is that man 
in Proverbs, he was faithful to till his land and to work his land, and so he had food on his table. The Bible is clear all over the place that as we are faithful in what God's called us to, we look behind us and his favor follows our faithfulness. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I love these verses. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap, what? If we do not give up. Both these references are agricultural realities. And I don't know if you could tell by that picture, but growing up here with my guitar and my skateboard, I was not much of a farmer. So some of these, honestly, for us West Coast people who probably never seen a farm in their lives, at least I haven't, we, some of these agricultural terms can kind of fall flat. But lately, my, my wife and I, we uh, home educate our kids. And so to kind of, uh, you know, make the, the education a little more robust, we started a garden in our backyard. I say we, it was my wife. She's awesome. She started the garden. I was like, yes, I will pay for that garden. We don't have a big backyard and we don't have a big garden, but it's really cool to see, like, we're eating some food that we actually grew in our backyard. Even in Las Vegas, Nevada, you can grow things in your backyard. It's crazy. And so we are growing some garden stuff. But here's the deal. A few months ago, my wife, like, kind of right when the shutdown happened, my wife came to me and she said, hey, I found that you can actually grow your own pumpkins for Halloween. We can, like, carve our own pumpkins. I was like, that is awesome. But, like, why are we talking about this in March? Because, like, it's all the way in October. She's like, yeah, but here's the deal. It takes over four months for when you put seeds in the ground for a jack-o'-lantern pumpkin to fully mature. So what happened? We bought some pumpkin seeds, and it wasn't much. Like, we put some pumpkin seeds in this cool little garden that we have in our backyard, and we would water it, and my kids would run out and see, do we have a pumpkin? No pumpkin. Day two, no pumpkin. Day seven, no pumpkin. Right? It's like, okay, the kids are going to give up on this if this pumpkin doesn't start doing some work. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they ran out there, and guess what? This little teeny tiny, like I think that's a pumpkin. It might be a bump of some sort of leaf. But I'm going to say it's a pumpkin to get my kids excited. That's a pumpkin. I looked out there just before I came here today, and we got this pumpkin now in like a, like this, like we had to like make a hammock for it so it didn't break off the branch. Like we had to like create a support system for the pumpkin because out of nowhere, seemingly, this pumpkin kind of came out of nowhere. And guess what? Come October, we're going to chop that sucker up and we're going to make that our jack-o'-lantern. It's going to be like, we grew that pumpkin. It's awesome. And that's kind of how our lives are. And that's a bummer because we kind of live in this on-demand culture. Instant success. Like I tell my kids when I'm frustrated at them, maybe you do this to parents, but like, hey kids, when, they, when I got home from school, i turn on the TV, and if there was not, no cartoons that I wanted to watch, guess what I would do? I would turn the TV off, and I'd grab my skateboard, and I would go skate. Because, like, I couldn't just flip through Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus with, like, 75 trillion shows that are just on demand for your watching entertainment. And I'm not knocking technology, but we got to be careful to not let the on-demand nature of our culture seep into our relationship with God. Because we're going, hey, I've been faithful for, like, a week. What's going on, God? You and I can't fix, flip a switch and fix a bad marriage overnight. We can't expect, man, I heard this sermon on responsibility. I've been reading the Proverbs. I'm going to work so hard at work. And we can't expect the next week to get the big promotion because we've been working hard for a week. What is this? This is us putting seeds in the ground and expecting two days later for all of a sudden a full-grown pumpkin. In the same way, hear this from my heart, laziness today 
doesn't magically produce your wildest dreams tomorrow. But be encouraged. Here's what we see in the book of Proverbs. What if today, maybe you already got some pumpkin seeds all over your life, but maybe today you're going, man, I'm going to just start planting some pumpkin seeds in my job, in my family, in my marriage, with my friends, in my church. I'm just going to start planting some seeds. And guess what? For a minute, I'm just going to water them with my faithfulness. And I'm going to ask God to bless those pumpkin seeds. And I'm going to step back and guess what? Two weeks, three weeks, one month, it might not look like much. But what's going to happen is over time, out of nowhere, some pumpkins are going to show up in your life. And you'll know it's not out of nowhere, man. That's faithfulness and that's God's favor because I asked him to bless this. I asked him, God, would you allow me to not waste my responsibility to be faithful for whatever you have called me to. God has given you responsibility for something. God desires for you to carry out that responsibility faithfully. What does he put in your hand? Are you faithful in that? And here's what we know from God's word. He will honor your faithfulness with his favor.